This is Rosie Starr for Radio Catskill. Welcome to Farm and Country, locally produced radio about rural life in the Catskills and the Delaware River Valley. On today's show, Keith Hubbard's Star Talk report highlights the small planet Mercury. We'll hear some words by community member Mort Malkin, who passed from this life but left a legacy of personal wisdom on climate activism. Stephanie Phillips visits Wild Roots Farm in Livingston Manor and finalizes her conversation with owner Wes Gillingham. In her segment, Now You Know, we'll hear about his busy life as Associate Director of Catskill Mountain Keeper. All of that coming up on today's Farm and Country, but first, news headlines from NPR. Live from NPR News in Washington, I'm Nora Rahm. Lawyers for former President Trump filed a motion in court last night asking the government not be allowed to review documents found in his Florida home until a third party can examine them. The Justice Department has released a heavily redacted version of the affidavit that the FBI used to execute its search warrant. NPR's Windsor Johnston reports. Parts of the affidavit show that the Justice Department had probable cause to believe that evidence of obstruction would be found at Trump's home. The document also showed that more than 180 classified documents were found among 15 boxes that the National Archives had obtained from Trump's estate earlier this year. Some of those files were mixed up with other records, loose and unlabeled, which prompted the archives to refer the case to the DOJ. NPR's Windsor Johnston. The March for Our Lives organization, along with families of victims of the Uvalde school massacre, are set to hold a rally on the street on the steps of the Texas Capitol today. Sangeetha Menon of member station KUT has more. Rally organizers are demanding that Texas Governor Greg Abbott call for a special legislative session and state lawmakers raise the minimum age to legally purchase an assault weapon from 18 to 21. Alexa Browning, a senior policy associate with March for Our Lives, says the rally aims to raise the voices of people in Uvalde. Talking about their children, talking about their friends that have been affected by this, and really just giving a firsthand account of what devastating loss can do to a family, to a community. An AR-15-style weapon was used in the shooting at Robb Elementary School, killing 19 children and two teachers. For NPR News, I'm Sangeetha Menon in Austin. After nearly a week of torrential rain and flash flooding in Mississippi, officials say parts of Jackson could be inundated this weekend. From the Gulf States newsroom, Maya Miller has more. City officials are urging residents to evacuate and prepare to be away from home for several days. The last time the Pearl River was that high in 2020, catastrophic flooding affected nearly 700 homes in the region. Mayor Shokwe Antar Lumumba said anyone whose home was impacted by the last flood is likely to be hit again. Residents in those impacted areas uh, should be ready to leave within 48 hours. The Hines County Sheriff said police would patrol more often in affected areas so people's homes and belongings would be safe from potential looting. For NPR News, I'm Maya Miller in Jackson. The government of Pakistan has declared a national emergency because of monsoon rains, the heaviest in 60 years. Officials say more than 900 people have died. The rains have flooded crops and damaged the homes of some 30 million people. You're listening to NPR News from Washington. 
This is Rosie Starr. Welcome back to Farm and Country. Coming up on today's show, we'll hear some words by community member Mort Malkin, who passed from this life but left a legacy of personal wisdom on climate activism. Stephanie Phillips visits Wild Roots Farm in Livingston Manor and finalizes her conversation with Wes Gillingham. In her segment, Now You Know, you'll hear about his involvement as Associate Director of Catskill Mountain Keeper. But first, here is Keith Hubbard with this week's Star Talk Report. Thank you for joining us on Radio Catskill for this week's locally produced Farming Country. Country. I'm Keith Hubbard, and this is Star Talk. Mercury will reach its highest point in the evening sky tonight. At its peak, Mercury will rise 9 degrees above the horizon at sunset. This will occur in the southwestern sky, though it will be very low in the sky, so an unobstructed horizon will be needed to spot Mercury. As the closest planet to the Sun, Mercury never strays very far from the Sun and is always found low on the horizon around sunrise or sunset. The sun's glare may obscure Mercury for the first 15 minutes after sunset. Even with Mercury shining at a magnitude 0.3, the last glow of the setting sun may still be bright enough to prevent us from seeing Mercury. Not only is Mercury the closest planet to the sun, but it is also the smallest planet in the solar system. It is only slightly larger than the Earth's moon, and it is smaller than two moons in our solar system. Jupiter's moon Ganymede and Saturn's moon Titan are both larger than the planet Mercury. Mercury may move fast in our sky, but it has a very slow rotation about its axis. For every three rotations Mercury makes about its axis, it completes two revolutions around the Sun. This slow rotation causes a very strange occurrence in the skies on Mercury. At sunrise, the sun appears to rise, briefly set, and then rise again. Look to the southwestern horizon for about 45 minutes after sunset tonight to see Mercury. If you have any questions, comments, or ideas for future Star Talk segments, my email address is startalk at farmandcountry.org. For Farm and Country and Star Talk, this has been Keith Hubbard reminding you to keep looking up. Here are the words of community member Mort Malkin, who passed from this life but left a legacy of personal wisdom on climate activism. He refers to the theory of the 100th monkey, in which he believes that we can change our behavioral habits to better our lives. This segment was recorded in 2015. 
The opinions expressed in this program do not necessarily represent those of WJFF Radio Catskill, its membership, underwriters, management, or board of trustees. But where are the clowns? Send in the clowns. Don't bother, they're here. The Hundredth Monkey with Mort Malkin. Global Heating. Well, do something. The weather devils have been escaping from Pandora's box, and the climate feedback loops are becoming self-sustaining chain reactions. But waiting at the bottom of Pandora's box, we still have hope. Can we reverse the death spiral that has already brought us heat waves and wildfires, droughts, superstorms, and floods? It all depends on whether we, one, immediately and sharply reduce the amount of greenhouse gases entering the thin atmospheric envelope of the Earth, and two, rapidly increasing the storage of carbon and methane in such natural storehouses as forests and coastal wetlands. In the U.S., 70% of all the carbon dioxide emissions that are turning the Earth into a hothouse come from coal, oil, and gas-fired power plants and from the transportation sector. We the people can help by lowering the thermostat 3 degrees in winter, raising it 3 in the summer, and by driving our cars at slower and safer speeds. And using public transit. But the government could do more by bringing in clean, renewable sources of energy starting yesterday. Government fleets of electric cars, networks of light rail lines within and between nearby cities, plus bicycle lanes and walking paths, we call them sidewalks, in all the cities and towns would add up to a terrestrial transport revolution. On oceans, we can establish a merchant marine fleet of high-tech sailing vessels carrying American-made exports. We'll call them clipper ships. Then, instead of tax subsidies to oil companies, give tax credits to windmills, rooftop solar panels, and water turbines in rivers and estuaries. Call it distributed generation. That'll make it sound official and accredited. A few more things we can do individually and as a people. One, two, and three. Call, mail, and visit our elected representatives and hold their feet to the fire. Four, reduce, reuse, repair, recycle in that order. Five, plant trees in forests, parks, backyards. Trees are geniuses at capturing carbon from the atmosphere and storing it as wood. We haven't figured that out yet. No, lawns don't count for carbon storage. They are a little better than AstroTurf. 6. Keep and protect coastal wetlands and habitats, salt marshes and mangroves. An acre of mangrove captures three times as much carbon as an acre of tropical forest. 7. Charge a fee. Don't call it a tax for emitting greenhouse gases. Diesel generators and pumps, coal-fired power plants, fitness centers where heavy breathing accompanies exercise. 8. Eat less, much less beef. Cattle produce massive amounts of methane. 9. Abolish war. 
War produces volumes of CO2 from all the shells and bombs and missiles that explode, and all the tanks and planes and aircraft carriers that patrol. The Abrams tank is probably the most efficient at eight gallons per mile. Just turning an aircraft carrier around? Don't ask. What is really efficient is statecraft. Negotiation, mediation, patience, persistence, and creativity. Nature has provided us with all the energy we'll ever need. Sun, wind, tides, waves, and geothermal. Let's do it. Good planets are hard to find. But where are the clowns? Send in the clowns. Don't bother, they're here. That was community member Mort Malkin, who passed from his life sharing his personal wisdom on climate activism. This segment was recorded in 2015. Good morning, this is Stephanie Phillips with Now You Know for Farm and Country. I'm at Wild Roots Farm in Livingston Manor today to speak with Les Gillingham, Associate Director at Catskill Mountain Keeper. Wes, aside from Catskill Mountain Keeper, can you tell us some of the organizations you've been affiliated with? Yes, before working for Catskill Mountain Keeper, I farmed for 10 years with my wife Amy and we ran a 150 family CSA. Before that, I also worked for the Park Service on the Upper Delaware, and I taught for the National Audubon Society Expedition Institute. I did 10 years teaching college, 10 years working for the Park Service, 10 years farming. I think I'm on year 15 now for Mountain Keeper. You asked what I've been affiliated with, but those were the jobs I had and the organizations I worked for. But the nature of Catskill Mountain Keeper is that it's an organization that works with other organizations, works on building collaborations between different kinds of organizations. It's a real movement-building organization and focuses on that and bringing organizations together to accomplish something that you couldn't do on your own. What exactly what do you do with Catskill Mountain Keeper? I'm an associate director and was one of the co-founders of the organization and started it. One of the things in the Catskills, you have this huge natural area with a lot of state-owned land in the central part of the Catskills, inside the blue line of the Catskill Park. And then all around it, you have all these communities that are dealing with the state and the state land. They are part of their town property. And then on top of that, you throw in New York City Department of Environmental Protection and their the whole watershed program and for water for New York City. And all these communities are surrounding this area and having to deal with a lot of the same issues, but they don't necessarily talk to each other. People here in Sullivan County don't necessarily know what's going on in Schoharie County, even though it's that close, but it's separated by the mountains. So there were conversations about having an organization that can act as a conduit for information and activities all around the Catskills. And at the time, 
we were also facing a proposal in Sullivan County for five casinos here. So conversations started about creating Catskill Mountain Keeper to deal with some of the environmental issues that we're faced with. The Catskills get national organizations to come here on a particular issue and then they disappear. Or you get the local people against something for them. They create an organization, but then once they either win or lose that campaign, it kind of dissipates. So we really needed a place-based organization here because there are so many issues facing the Catskills in this region. That was the impetus for starting Catskill Mountain Keeper. How big is Catskill Mountain Keeper now? We have, I think, nine employees and a, a couple of consultants here and there. There's an office up over in Woodstock. We have somebody in Albany, and we have our office in Hurleyville. That's your main office? That's the main office in Hurleyville, yeah. We are an organization like New York renews. Which, yeah, so Catskill Mountain Keeper was part of getting New York Renews off the ground. New York Renews is a coalition of close to 300 organizations now working on climate policy in New York State. We were part of writing the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. It took us four years, but we got it passed, and now we're working on following through with the Climate Action Council and making sure that that law gets implemented correctly. And then we're going to be working this upcoming legislative session to get the money in the budget to make the transition away from oil and gas a more renewable economy. We have a law and a plan and a timeline in New York State now to make a just transition away from fossil fuels for the sake of the planet and our state. I see there's also a initiative called Catskill Park Coalition. Is that what you were talking about there? No, Catskill Park Coalition is a coalition of organizations that look at the Catskill Park and the state lands inside the Blue Line. And we spend a lot of time trying to get the proper funding to maintain the park, whether it's the campgrounds, the trails. One of the issues in the Catskill Park in the last few years is certain areas, because of TripAdvisor or Instagram, people going to one place and uh, overrunning a place. So the famous one is the Blue Hole, or Catterskills Falls has the same problem. So two of the organizations within that coalition, the Catskill Center for Conservation and Development and Catskill Mountain Keeper, we have stewards every summer where we hire young folks with experience to come and talk to people, getting people not to leave garbage in places and giving people information about other places to go because this place is already filled with people. It's really needed because something goes out on Instagram and then all of a sudden everybody and their brother and cousin are showing up there and there might not be parking for a swimming hole and then it creates havoc in the town and then the town has to give out tickets because people are parking and it creates unsafe conditions and that's happening in multiple places. The Catskill Park Coalition was really created around the idea that there's funding created in Albany to deal with the Catskill Park. And the Catskills have always been kind of shortchanged because the Adirondack Park is such a big park and there's so many facilities up there that most of the funding always went up there. So we got a bunch of organizations together who were interested in the budget issues and the politics around the Catskills, and that's what that is. But you don't actually want to stop people from going to the parks. No, not at all. 
I'm happy that people are excited to come to the Catskills, but what we need to do is help steer people either away from the places that are getting inundated, offer up other places for people to see and go. But no, I love the fact that people are coming here to enjoy the park. I think that's one of the biggest problems with our society in general is people are so far removed from the natural world they don't really understand what we're doing to it when you flick the switch on in your house or you just use that one-time use plastic bag or just hop in the car and drive and use a bunch of energy for not a good reason. I bet the COVID epidemic had a big effect on your park use. Oh, absolutely. And then also just the whole region. I mean, one of the things I worry about personally is the gentrification of the Catskills and how so many people are coming here, which I understand why they're coming here. But there's a different way of moving into a place where you move into the place and incorporate into the culture and end the place and understand the place versus just coming here and setting up things that basically are the same things that people are doing in Brooklyn or Queens. (laughs) When I came here... I spent a lot of time talking to old-timers and learning about the place on multiple levels. And it's not just looking at the Catskills as an amusement park, but actually a, a living, breathing system that we are dependent on. And learning how to have a reciprocal relationship with this place. Another organization that Catskill Mountain Keeper seems to be involved in is something called the Catskill Edible Garden Project. Can you say something about that? Yes. Again, the the disconnect from the natural world, the Catskill Edible Garden Project is putting in, there's this school gardens, and like there's one in, in Livingston Manor. My daughter goes down and does programs with the school groups there. Eugene, who's our agricultural specialist at Catskill Mountain Keeper, he's done programs there. And it's really just people learning how to grow things and learning about gardens and food production. We also mentioned the some of the things around a just transition away from fossil fuels, and we've fought fracking in New York. We got pulled into energy conversations. But what Catskill Mountain Keeper is getting inundated now is with calls about developments. There's intense development pressure right now. So right now there's a 3,150-acre piece of property that they want to put in 180 units of multifamily, basically a mix of condos and then estate houses, and they want to put in a hotel. And this is a piece of property up in Neversink along the Willowemock, well, in between the Willowemock and a tributary to the Neversink. It's a 3,000-acre property that has state forest land on both sides, and they're talking about building this hoity-toity resort up there. It's going to have a huge impact on changing the whole landscape here, and it's a really ill-conceived development. They made a proposal to the town that cut the property up into 297 five-acre lots and said, this is proposal A, but if you give us a zoning variance and you just, and you, we don't fit into your master plan, but you change the zone so that we can put 
cluster housing in places, we will save 75% of the land. You know, it has the appearance of blackmailing the town into accepting something that a lot of the people in town wouldn't necessarily accept. And I'm getting calls all the time from people that either live in Neversink or Livingston Manor, Parksville, because the Pole Road and Cooley Road, that's where all the traffic's going to be coming in to go to this thing. And they live along the road. And it's also, it's right across the street from one of the most beautiful beaver meadows in the state, not just the Catskills. And Fir Brook is a really important trout hatchery, wild trout hatchery. It's this incredible place, and you're just going to turn it into another resort. And you get all those same promises. Oh, we can return to heyday of the Catskills. Well, I look around the heyday of the Catskills and see a lot of defunct infrastructure and damage from the past. I don't necessarily want to go down that road again. Well, that's depressing. Can you tell us at least about some successes that Catskill Mountain Keeper has had? Well, we've had a lot. And I think that's what keeps most of the folks that work for Mountain Keeper going is we banned fracking in New York. We're in process of getting a ban in the Delaware River Basin, which includes parts of Pennsylvania. It'll be really one of the few places in Pennsylvania that's protected from fracking. We beat the Constitution pipeline, so they didn't build the pipeline through the Catskills. Investors walked away from two other pipelines that were getting proposed to get natural gas from Pennsylvania to the New England system. We were part of fighting off Port Ambrose, a facility down in New York City, just basically fighting against the gas industry over and over again. We have gotten the Climate Leadership and Community Protection Act. Again, all of this work that I'm mentioning, it's not just Mountain Keeper, it's working with multiple other organizations, local organizations, national green groups. And then we also get pulled into national conversations in general. So Catskill Mountain Keeper puts together these meetings called the Extreme Energy Extraction Collaborations, and they're held in different parts of the country. We had one here. The first one was in New York. Then we had one in Minnesota, and we've had them in Biloxi. We had one in the middle of the Bakken oil field. That was another victory. We stopped the Bakken oil traffic that was coming in on bomb trains into Albany. And, yeah, there's a lot of victories out there for Catskill Mountain Keeper, and it feels really good to be part of that. We're all better off because of it. That's a relief. Do you have volunteers at Catskill Mountain Keeper? Yeah, Catskill Mountain Keeper has staff, and then there's also consultants, and then there's lots of people that come out of the woodwork. So right now I'm in the midst of taking these phone calls about the Carrylands Resort and people volunteering to do work on that. On the other side of the Catskills, there's the Winston Farm Project over in Saugerties. There's a whole bunch of people volunteering to work on that. Yeah, we will work with folks who are excited to make the world a better place. And where can those people get more information about Catskill Mountain Keeper? You can go to CatskillMountainKeeper.org. That's our website. And you can call the Hurleyville office at 845-693-5110. So now you know about Catskill Mountain Keeper. The environmental expert who told us about it was Wes Gillingham, Associate Director of that organization. If you have ideas for future Now You Know segments, email me at stephanie at wjffradio.org. This has been Stephanie Phillips for Farm and Country.
We hope that you enjoyed our show this week with production by Radio Catskill volunteers Keith Hubbard and Stephanie Phillips. Special thanks goes to our guest, Wes Gillingham, owner of Wild Roots Farm in Livingston Manor. Wes Gillingham is also the Associate Director of the Advocate Environmental Organization, Catskill Mountain Keeper. This has been your host, Rosie Starr. Thanks for listening local to Farm and Country and financially supporting Radio Catskill, public radio for the Catskills and Northeast Pennsylvania. Support for Farm and Country comes from Damascus Citizens for Sustainability, a community-supported, science-based nonprofit, taking legal actions, providing tools for action, and raising awareness of fracking damage since 2008, proactively protecting public health in the Delaware River Basin and beyond. DamascusCitizens.org This week on This American Life, Sandy was born with a voice. Reactive range, effortless. So what's it mean when he makes a decision that gets rid of it? I sat down at the piano. I hit a middle C, and I could not sing it. My voice was, like, gone. That's this week. Saturday at 6 on Radio Catskill. I'm Scott Simon. If you've raised children, you know the 